Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we'd love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. chance I might get into a little bit of trouble this morning, but after worship like that, almost anything is okay. That's what I think. Hello. Good morning. Welcome to church. What did you think of our ukulele player this morning? (laughs) All right. Thank you, worship team. So thankful for Mother's Day last week and the great thoughts that the moms shared. I hope you feel honored. That was excellent. Thank you, dear, for leading that. Okay, um, I've, um, I've, I've been thinking about this sermon for a really long time. Those of you who hang out uh, with me would know that I'm, I'm getting more and more fussy about the words that we say. More, I'm, I feel like I'm just more and more careful about the stuff I repeat. And when, you, when, when the world feels like it's kind of stopped making sense, you need some truths that will anchor you when the wind begins to blow. And the winds are blowing. I was, uh, one of the great mysteries of life for me is um, when you go to buy eggs, they're in, there, they're in that styrofoam, floppy, Thing. But yet when you go to buy batteries, you need like a chainsaw to get into that, and then you slice yourself, and it's one of the great mysteries for me. Don't seem to care about the eggs, but those batteries, we better seal them in tight. Um, I, the, the other thing, uh, as in the food programs, we often get uh, lots of dairy. One week, we got a bunch of, like a case of Non-dairy milk. What do you got? <laughs> I have no idea. But I mean, it's every bit as confusing as having a cauliflower crust on your pizza. It's wrong, isn't it? It's just wrong. Jesus was the bread of life. Right? They, they, there's another one that gets me vegan leather. Vegetable rawhide. A vegan. Pardon my... (laughs) I've got a phonetics teacher in the front row. Um, Well, these are are things that I have on my mind quite a bit these days. And um, I'm... um, it's, it's, It's just something that... So I've titled the message Killer Clichés because I think there's some things that we say that are actually deadly. And they could easily frustrate your future or kibosh your destiny very easily. And they're just things that we repeat, casual things. And so I want to try and address them this morning if I can, because I think one of the worst lies is a misunderstood truth. So <clears throat> I'm thinking to myself about 
how faith works. And we are people of faith that just live by faith. But the truth is that everybody lives by faith. It's just in what or in who. But we all live by faith. Faith basically is what we trust. So, so what is it that you trust? What are the things that we trust? What are the things that we believe in? Those, that faith is basically trust and belief. So we, that's, that's how we live. But it's not, it's, it's not like faith by faith itself. It's but faith in what and faith in who. So we all live by faith. And it's based on our beliefs. And, and I think that we would be easy for us to say that everybody lives by faith, but it's, it's rare to find somebody who has faith in God and God alone. There's, the, there's these other little G's in our life. Am I right? I'm guilty as charged. <clears throat> and, and so in, in order for me, <clears throat> pardon me, in order for me to have a great life, the, great, the life that God promised, I actually have to have faith and trust in who he is and how he's designed the world, and then cooperate with that. I have to, right? You go against the laws of the universe or the created laws or the laws of physics, and it won't go well with you. So, so my desire is to not just have faith in God, but to trust him and to trust his wisdom for every decision that I make in my life. That's a process. That's a sort of introduction. Let me, let me say what I think, um, uh, how it equates for me sometimes, is because, because our feelings come from the, thing, the, the deeply held beliefs that we have in our heart. That's where our feelings come from. Our emotions simply come from our thoughts. And you know this works. You know this works. All you need is a thought and your emotion can change. But your feelings, those deep inner feelings, come from deep-seated beliefs that we carry in our life. So, with that as an introduction, I want to say that, um, that the only way to solve problems in life sustainably is we have to be able to change our beliefs. Our beliefs are held in our heart, this mysterious mystical place, not the physical heart. But today, if you, you have a soft heart, the Holy Spirit may already have spoken to you, but he's in the process of speaking to you. And he will confront those beliefs that are against his purposes for your life. And your response is to agree. Sounds simple. That's spiritual warfare. Our biggest, our biggest enemy is not the devil. It's our carnal, fleshly self. It's our biggest, that's our biggest, the big, the big boy. So we live in this suspended state of feeling versus willpower. And we'll, we get tired of using our willpower. Willpower is our own power. But there's another power that changes us and sustains us if we're willing to set aside our opinions of what we think is the truth and be willing to set, set our hearts on the things that are the truth fixed in his word. Let me just take us to uh, Proverbs chapter 4. I want to just talk about how wisdom works 
in our life. And um, as I'm reading through the book of um, Proverbs right now, I'm, I'm finding a phrase pop up over and over again, reigning in life. I don't know if you noticed that or not. It's in, it's in um, Romans chapter 5, verse 17, too, because of Christ, his grace, and his righteousness, we can now reign in life. I, I did, now, now reigning, reigning in life doesn't not the same in ru, ruling people in your life. It's overcoming circumstances and turning them to your advantage, to reign in life. To reign in life, we need to have the wisdom of God. I'm very interested in wisdom, and, and, and wisdom uh, has to do with the application, the understanding and the application of revelation in our life. So many of us are, love reading the Bible. The question is, are you taking the, this word and transforming yourself into living, becoming a living word? That's the, that's the, that's the harder part. Solomon uh, was trained as a young boy to choose wisdom. Now just listen kind of with me along here. Because David, I, was always, I always loved that David was a great warrior. I even don't mind that he was a great worshiper. But when you look at his life, he seems like a domestic disaster as a dad. However, in, in, in Proverbs chapter 4, and I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. This is, this is something that seemed like David got right. Listen to my instruction, my sons, for I speak to you as your father. Let discernment enter your heart, and you will grow wise with understanding, uh, with the understanding I impart. My revelation truth is a gift to you, so remain faithful to my instruction. For I, too, was once the delight of my father and cherished by my mother, their beloved child. And then my father taught me, saying, never forget my words. This is a father's role to impart wisdom. If you do everything that I teach you, you will reign in life. Wow. So make wisdom your quest and search for the revelation of life's meaning. Don't let what I say go in one ear and out the next. Out the other, sorry, in the next. How many years do we have? Stick with wisdom and she'll stick with you, protecting you throughout your days. And she will rescue you, all of those, all those who passionately listen to her voice. Wisdom is the most valuable commodity, so buy it. Wisdom is expensive. Wisdom costs. He said, for all else, get wisdom. Buy wisdom, that's what he says. Uh, one of the things it seems like David did in Solomon's life is he taught him at a young age to intuitively choose, make the right choice and choose wisdom. This, this shows up through Proverbs. So this, this is my dad said, this is what I chose to do. If you read through 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 3, uh, the Lord comes to speak to Solomon in a dream. And Solomon intuitively, knowing that God is good and God is kind, God is gracious. He didn't, he didn't, he, he chose to have an understanding heart uh, or, or wisdom. And wisdom by, by its nature is an ongoing relationship with wisdom himself, who Christ is for us. So wisdom is a relational process of hearing and obeying. In, in, in his sleep, I'm amazed that he gave a national leader, Lord, speak to our prime minister. I'm amazed that he would speak to what's, become the, what's about to become the leader of the apple of his eye, Israel, to speak to him in a dream and knowing that he would intuitively choose to have a hearing heart. 
And since you didn't choose riches or these other things, I'm going to give you, along with that understanding, hearing heart, I'm going to give you wisdom. All right. Just keep that <clears throat> with you. Wisdom was the de desire of a young man, even in his sleep. And the nature and the function of wisdom is to hear. Hearing com Faith comes by hearing, not having heard. It's an ongoing process. Um, we could define wisdom as encountering irrefutable laws of the universe and calibrating our lives accordingly, or to even use these laws to our advantage. That would be better. That would be wisdom. Right at the beginning of... Um, in Brian Simmons' uh, Passion Translation, he makes a comment about what a proverb is. Why am I, why am I talking about proverbs of wisdom? Because uh, in a minute, I'm going to talk about cliches, which is kind of the opposite of a proverb. A, a, pro, a proverb, by, it says in the, right in the introduction, he says the Hebrew word for proverb is Michelle. It has two meanings. The first is uh, a pithy, <laughs> a pithy, saying that expresses wisdom, all right? So, it, so it's, a, um, it's a, like a parable or, or uh, a, a saying, but the second meaning that's often overlooked, it's a homonym, Michelle. It can also mean to rule, to take dominion, or to reign with power. So let me define wisdom for us. It's hearing. Uh, it's, 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 it's a saying to help us to reign in life. That's what a proverb is. Now, a cl cliche can be a little bit the same. I'm, I'm told there's uh, over 50 figures of speech in the, in the Bible. This, I just shared a homonym with you. Um, some say there's no synonyms. I don't know what an antonym is. However, as you're, as you're studying Scripture, you have to be able to say, okay, am I is this a story? Is this real? Is it an illustration? What is it? And you have to be able to sift and sort through those things. So it's a, the, they're sayings or, or understandings of how the world works to help us to make good decisions every time so we can reign in life. Summary, thesis, uh, observation. Let me keep going. Um, to reign in life does not mean to rule people. We reign by serving. And to reign with the heart of a servant and serve with the heart of a king for the benefit of others. So that means, when I reign in life, that means things aren't reigning over me. R-E-I-G-N. Money is not my, the defining factor in decision making. Circumstances does not reign over me. I reign in life. We reign over and in our lives. We don't let what happens to us become the defining factors of what we do in life. We have a higher truth that, we, that resonates within our heart, and we make a decision. We're going to live by wisdom, not by some cliches. <clears throat> I'm coming to a point, uh, eventually. I asked my wife, I said, is it okay if I uh, have a sermon that's titled, Predicting Your Future? If you're in Christ, I can predict your future. It's eternal. I can predict what can happen in, in your life based on what's happening in your heart or how you think. You can choose your future. Are you, are you, are you ready? It, wh wh why? Because it's not que sera, sera, what will be, will be. We can reign in life. I'm setting you up for some cliches. 
Um, so what part do you play in shaping your own future? Can you do something currently to shape your future? Or are you at the mercy of world events, world leaders, disasters, and trade wars? Just the more nods, the faster I'll go. Uh, the Bible says that faith is always about the future. It's a substance of things that are hoped for. What you hoping for? Faith is a, is a substance. It's simply unseen. But it's a force in our life. It's certainty of what we can't see. This seems counterintuitive. Uh, Luke chapter 6 verse 45 says, A good man out of good treasure brings forth good fruit, and an evil man out of evil treasure in his heart brings forth bad fruit. Future events have a source. Matthew 15 says that out of the heart proceeds murders, thefts, stuff that hasn't happened yet. If you can get your heart sorted out, you can get your life sorted out. Okay, coming to a rub. I'm just coming to a rub. Uh, is it possible that there's some beliefs in your heart that will keep you from a great future? Is it possible? Indeed, indeed, he says. When we face our future, we are immediately confronted with the con our, our concept and perception of three things, ourselves, our God, and our enemy. And as soon as you, this is a, this is a, 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 a watershed in your life when we think about our future. Our beliefs, our perceptions, our limitations, our potential, our thinking, these are all around when we think about ourselves, about God, and about our enemy. The result is often fatalism. By definition, it's the paralyzing force that limits my role in my life. We become then spectators of our life. Fate, not faith. Fatalism means there's nothing I can do to redirect my future. If the killer, if the, if the, if the, if the cliche police were here right now, they, yeah, they'd say busted. Um, <clears throat> we either live by faith or fear. Both will shape our future. A cliche, by definition, is a trait, phrase, or an idea, or a belief that's expressed. Let me give you an idea. An apple a day, cliche. Probably works, it's probably some, yeah, probably okay. Huh? Where there's a will, there's a family member. It's kind of the same. <laughs> no, but, 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 but we get, we honestly, these cliches begin to they enter into it. Pretty soon they get lodged in our heart, and pretty soon they become a basis of belief for making decisions in life. Rather than reigning in life, we come under lies, assumptions, and cliches. Well, and this happened. My neighbor says, well, I, don't, I can't remember which neighbor, but where there's a will, there's a way. That's in the Bible, isn't it? I said, I don't know. You read your Bible? It's not in mine. It's not. Um, you get the idea. Many times we choose our cliches to declare theology. Little baby dies prematurely, but God just needed another angel in heaven. What a lie. He's got all the angels he needs, and if he needs more, he can create more. That's a tragedy. I'm coming to a point. 
We can't, we, because we tend to justify what happens in our life by cliches. But a proverb, by definition, is based on a truth that will help us to reign in life. A cliche is just a funny little saying that helps us along in life. Let me, t- I'm ready, I am, I am ready for your, your reaction right now. Kelly doesn't like it when I speak or say this. Um, she knows what I'm going to talk about. <clears throat> we have an unlimited ability to justify tragedy. So we somehow comfort our souls by an exhaling cliches like, well, God's in control. I got some questions to ask you about that. And, it, and, and, and it's perhaps, if I can say personally, one of the most cruel things that someone ever said to us regarding the fire that destroyed our house. While God's in control, meaning, implying that God was the instigator of the fire. Not. It's not. Not my God. <laughs> There's fire in his eyes, maybe, but doesn't put fire on people. Um, here's the overview. God makes the earth, creates Adam and Eve, gives them authority, and doesn't take it away. And that authority is seen in every human's choice still today. He never revoked that. You still have choice and you still have power to make good decisions or bad ones. And we learn to make good ones by making bad ones. In, in uh, Psalm chapter 115 and verse 16, he says, The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth has been given to man. It still puzzles me why, why, why the, the, the greatest intercessor in life said that we need to pray his will to be done. If it's always going to be done anyway. Why would he ask us to pray that? I think, I think we forget our authority. Um, <clears throat> sometimes when we say the word amen at the end of a prayer, it's similar to see you later. But we forget that what is embodied in amen is agreeing with the kingdom of God coming on the earth and the Lord's, the Lord's will to be done on the earth. It's meant to be, and so be it. And when we say it all together, we're the so be it union. I know. <laughs> Prayer is partnership with heaven. Um, our, in our world... We've been granted, both us, humans and angels, have been given the dignity of choice. And we, and we can choose. So, uh, I, let me just, beware that your understanding and application of the sovereignty of God is tied to the truth of Scripture, because it may be a perversion of predestination. Our understanding of sovereignty sometimes means that God's just going to do what God wants to do. That's not the true definition of sovereignty as explained in Scripture. It means that nothing can act outside of him. Nothing can force him to act outside of what he is intended to do. No force from the outside. This is what religion is. Forces from the outside. So, so it means that he can't be touched or acted on by an outward source. Honestly, is God in control? Can I ask you this? Is God in control of you? answer because we'd love to say so because we sing it let me ask you this is God in control of what you eat 
Is God in control of how fast you drive? Is God in control of where you invest your money? If God's not in control, who is in control? <clears throat> God's not, so, so if God's in control, what's he control, in control of? Is he in control of hurricanes? Is he in control of tornadoes? Is he in control of wildfires? What's he in control of? He's in control of heaven and the new heaven where everybody is submitted completely and totally to his will. But on the earth, he has given us a choice. I'm empowering you now. That's what I'm doing. I'm empowering you now. I'm empowering you now. To declare God is love and accepts the work of the enemy as the will of God leaves us hopeless. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 4, he says he's promised us to escape from the corruption of this world. He's all, there's a way that we step above this world. There's a way that we reign in life. So I want to wake you up to the nobility that you carry as a son or a daughter of the most high God. The, the one who gave his life for you now lives within you. And, and you get to choose moment by moment how much you submit to that presence in your life. That is your choice. Your future is in your control. Um, we have been called to quiet storms. We have been called to cast out demons. We have been called to heal the sick. Well, if God wanted them healed, they wouldn't have got sick. Lie. Why has he asked us then to lay hands on the sick? So that they will recover. His desire. Any time that anybody is in any kind of sickness, you have to discern, you've got to go back. What was purchased on the cross? It says that there's some that sleep among you because you haven't properly discerned the body. What was in the body? We know what was in the blood. When we have communion, what do we do? We have the bread and we have the wine. We know what the blood did. Cleanses us from all sin. Cleanses our conscience. But his body, in his body, he bore every one of our sicknesses and disease. Spiritually, emotionally, financially, he bore it in his body. He says there's some that don't, they sleep now, which means they're dead now, because they haven't rightly discerned that in his body he purchased our healing. Can anybody say amen? It's such a big deal. There's a, your, what's going on in your head around your healing is so important and tied to whether you're going to walk in that healing or not. I'm, I'm, I'm about to. John chapter 14 says, And greater things than these shall you do. What's he talking about? I'd be happy to do just the things that Jesus did. But he said greater. Anybody interested in the greater? You interested in more? Does that sound, what's that sound like? Selfish? That I want more joy? That I want more peace? Someone's going to say amen now that we want more prosperity. Well, we need more in our life. Am I right? Okay, so cliche number, I'm going to just do two more. Um, that, um, let me just, maybe I'll just do this in order. One of the cliches that I hear quite a bit is that that we heard in, my, in the office the other day. I said, what's your favorite cliche? Well, that God is mysterious. Isn't that mysterious? 
his. There's a, there's a cliche. I'm just trying to think of it. Kind of goes something like, I can't remember. Let me just let me just go what I got notes for. God's ways are not mysterious. We, it, it's, it's like we're in a celestial game and we're pawns. Who am I to understand God? Well, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says, if you want to know what I'm like, look at Jesus. No mystery. You want to know how I act, how I feel? Look at Jesus. You're wondering how I might respond in a difficult situation? Look at Jesus. It's not a mystery. Study the life of Jesus, you'll know what God's like. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He says, you know how I work. It's not mysterious. <laughs> um, well, everything happens for a reason. God's just mysterious. God allows evil. Um, the lazy mind would miss this. But when we look at the words, the works, and the ways of Jesus, they are perfectly what God is like. It's no mystery. And he healed all. And he healed all. He went about doing good and healing all. Uh, um, this cancer, Lord, are you trying to teach me something? There's nowhere you'll find Jesus saying, I'm just going to put a little sickness on you now because you need to learn a lesson. It's not. It's not how he acts, not how he functions. He's, it's not mysterious. Well, all things work together for good. For this reason. It, it happens. Every, everything has a reason. It's kind of mysterious, but everything has a reason. Um, all things work together. All things work together when we love God. That's what it says. All things work together when we love God according to his true nature and we walk in his purpose to reign in life and extend his kingdom that will honor God and will ultimately bring good out of evil. All things will work together to those who love him, who he says he is, the way that he works. All things will work together if we're functioning within his purpose, not just, well, all things are just going to work together. Not if you're walking in defiance of the wisdom of God. Won't work. Why won't it work? This statement is a super dependent upon our image of God. And um, the Bible teaches that things happen according to physical and spiritual laws. Am I right? Methods are many. Principles are few. Methods never cha always change. Principles never do. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 8, it says, If we sow to the flesh, we will reap corruption. That's what it says. Why did that happen? Why did that happen? Well, there's a reason it's mysterious. No, no, no. If corn came up, corn was planted. Isn't that a mystery? We grew up in a farming family. I never heard my dad once go out, well, look at that, there's wheat in that field. How'd that wheat come up out there like that? He knows exactly why, because he planted wheat. What you sow, you reap. Is this a mystery to anybody? Is that a mystery? We'd rather not admit it. Baby, if you sowed it, you're going to reap it. It's not a mystery. And you can't pray for crop failure. I've tried. If it's your will, when we say your will be done, it's not a resignation to the dark forces of evil, but it's a submission to the purposes of God. 
if I can accept that what I sow, I reap, and take, I'll take responsibility for the consequence, I'll repent, I'll ask the Lord to forgive me, I'll ask to end the cycle of harvest, and ask him to break it by his grace and by his mercy. And that's new every morning. And you can change the course of your future if you can learn to, what you sow, you, you reap. I find that much of loss and tragedy and suffering have nothing to do with God's will at all but the result of sowing to the flesh and reaping corruption. Seed, time, and harvest. Romans chapter 8, verse 13, it says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. It's not a mystery. We've got two futures and one choice. Last one I want to say, God's, God's in control, God's mysterious, <clears throat> is that the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Um. You know, I mean, it's, it's, these are small things, kind of. My staff know that like, certain words are, uh, they set off little fire alarms in me. So this, I like to call a platform, not a stage. It's a place to serve from, not a place to entertain from. It's a platform. And we've all been busted in, in staff meetings. Because, no, 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 it's not a stage. It's a platform. It's a bit hard. It's a, it takes a lot of work to change language. It takes a lot of work, very intentional work. Um, the worship team knows I've made some points about this. I want to say this in closing, though. Um, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Okay, thank you, Matt Redmond, for that awesome song way back when. Uh, this is taken from the book of Job, chapter 1. Probably Job is one of the most misunderstood books in the Bible, probably. Uh, in Job, chapter 1, um, we, we read that the Lord, he says the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Um, but... But what he's trying to do is justify the enemy's attack on his family. That's what he's trying to do. The next verse, if you all want to just go ahead and read the next verse, verse 22. It says, in all that he did, he did not sin nor charge God. Has anybody read through the rest of the book of Job? Did he ever charge God? Dozens of times. Over and over and over. He's blaming God for like 27 chapters. Right? But he doesn't understand what's happening. The calamity is happening. So he makes this sweeping cliche at the bit. Well, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Careful. Because the minute you frame God as a taker, not a giver, you'll think there's a reason why you're not enjoying the abundance of God. My Bible says that the thief is a thief. He's the one that takes. So he, later he'd repent. And he would ultimately say it's the Lord who gives. Romans chapter 8, verse 32, he who did not spare his son but delivered him up for all of us, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He's a giver. I know this messing with your thinking a little bit. Messing with all of ours. He didn't take my house. It was stolen. I got I to remember that. Otherwise, I feel like a victim. I feel like circumstances then have authority over me instead of me reigning over my circumstance. It's a big deal. Matthew 6 says, if you seek him first, his kingdom, that he would add all of these other things unto you. All of them. And when he says all, he means all. Every good and perfect gift. He's a giver. For all his promises are yes and amen. He's a giver. These are not small things that I've shared with you this morning. They're big things. I'm saying I've been snagged, trapped, 
find ways to justify why crappy things were happening in my life or this has happened or that happened. I forget that I've got authority and he has given the earth to man to have dominion over and to rule on and to reign on. To reign in life for me and for you. I want to pray for people. I liked that song, that last song. Because sometimes you got to speak to your soul. David spoke to his soul. It's where your emotions and your will is. And much of your thinking capacity is in your soul. Sometimes you got to tell that soul where to go. I mean, very literally. literally. Um, I want to pray for people who have been caught in cliche loops. Um, arguably, we all are and still are to some dimension. And then I want to ask the spirit of truth to come and reign in your life and lead you into greater truth. And that you'd be willing to lay aside your previous point of view to allow the revelation of the Lord to begin to direct your steps and direct your path. That's what I want to pray. I've just, if you're, if you're interested in that, I've engaged you in a brand new battle. It's not against the devil. It's against your own good soul your own carnal soul. So I'm going to ask you in a second if you'd like prayer to put your hand up and we're going to we're going to tell our soul what to do again not to be shy. We'll probably just sing that chorus a time or two. We still have a couple minutes. And I'm going to pray for you right right where you are. If you want prayer after we have a prayer team will be here. Would you just stand with me right now? Maybe there's something in all that rambling that made sense and that you feel that you know what I got to get that thinking under control. <clears throat> I just made a choice this week. God, that's got to change. That's got to change. Let, let it not be willpower. Let it be His power. Maybe there's things that have to change, but the first thing is you need a teachable heart. That God can come and write truths on your heart. When something happens, you're going to have a defense mechanism that's going to take down the lie and allow you to reign in life. Would you just bow your heads with me, please? This is such an anointed... Uh, I've been waiting a long time to share this, but it's time for our bodies, uh, our church body, to, to, to rise up out of places of unhealthy thought processes and slick little answers and just get to the bottom of our unhealthy souls and let God become the reign as the Lord of our lives. Father, this morning, is there anybody, Lord, you've been speaking to about this, and this morning's their morning. Is there anybody? If I, I just want to see your hands. If that's you today, can I just see you? Oh, thank you. Yeah, there's a few. Yeah, there's a few. Father, put your hands down. We know that your word, Father, can transform us. You sent your word to heal, to tell him, to, to give us a, 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 a spiritual chiropractic treatment and bring our, our soul and our body into line with our spirits today. God, I'm speaking to men and women who've had little cliches, Lord, that were not rooted in truth embedded in their hearts. I command the roots of those to dry up in Jesus' name and be removed from their souls and their thought processes today. And let us anchor ourselves in the truth of your word. And I thank you that today, Lord, you, Jesus, are wisdom for us. And we choose to be people who are wise and walk in wisdom rather than the ways of this world. So I thank you today that we can rule in life. And I just declare that over everyone that's here. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube.
If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.